You know, in sports, they say that there are a lot of lessons that you can learn that translate from the field into life. Today, I have a special guest, and that's exactly what we're going to talk about and also see how those translate from the field to life, but also see if those truths are also principles found in the Bible. Welcome to my take. Well, it's not my take. It's Miguel Crespo's take. Whatever. For inspiration to go. Welcome to My Take. Pastor Crespo here. My Take is your oasis of inspiration and hope in the desert of negativity and despair. Thank you for being a part of the My Take family. We have a special guest here today. He's a colleague of mine. He's a big sports fan guy. Every time we you know, are in a group and I hear him talk, he's like, you know, I, I can't say much for the teams that he's a big fan of, but I can tell you that the man, the man loves, he loves his sports and uh, is, is, you know, he's all right other than, other than the sports thing. And of course, other than the, <laughs> other than the hat that he's wearing too, we're going to let him slide on that. Welcome Pastor Martin Zelaya, again, a colleague and friend of mine. Uh, welcome to the podcast. Hey, uh, Pastor Crespo, thank you so much for uh, the invitation and yes, I am sorry. Uh, uh, I know that other people have the same feeling that you do that I would that I would switch all my teams the moment I moved here from California. Well, I got to be faithful to my uh, Packers, Lakers, and Dodgers. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, and and obviously for the My Take family, look, we had some technical difficulties. We've been working on this, and we got the bugs worked out. So, so I'm asking him questions that I've already asked him. But uh, just real quickly, uh, I, I for the for those that are watching, because it could be some of your own church members that are going to watch. So you need to be careful how you answer this. But uh, so you <laughs> you came you you came from out west. You're here in in New York, and mm -hmm. you've decided to cling to you know, because no one's perfect to cling to these teams. Uh, and I'm just wondering what kind of problems it's causing for you. Has it hurt your ministry at all? Uh, no, it's it's actually been a, a, a conversation piece, especially if I wear uh, a Dodger hat, a Laker hat, and a Packer hat. Um, I I did have some people when I first was uh, brought here that told me, uh, uh, you're a Packer fan? It's all right, we're going to convert you to a Bills fan. But uh, at one point in my, uh, uh, I don't know, uh, team fan history, uh, I was a Bills fan. I was actually a Bills fan during the time when uh, Jim Kelly was, and there was a rivalry between the uh, the Bills and the Cowboys. And then the following year, I jumped <laughs> to the Cowboys, you know. But then I stayed, I stayed a, a Packer fan, uh, you know. So it's uh, now I, 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 something I do want to mention. You know, in my home, we are a divided home because you have me as a Packer fan. My dad is a Raider fan, a diehard oh. Raider fan. My middle brother, he's a 49er fan. My younger brother is a Vikings fan, you know. Uh, and my mother is anything that her children love. So whatever is on the screen and someone's watching, uh, she loves when it comes to football. But basketball, she's a she's a Laker fan. And when it comes to to baseball, she's a diehard Dodger fan as well. Oh, wow. Okay, okay. So, so your one brother... Must have been really excited, at least for <laughs> a, an hour or two. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And then, then he probably needed some. I, I don't know if you're the only minister in the family, but did you have to kind of switch? 
Did you have to switch from family mode to minister mode at the end of the Super Bowl? Or how, I, give, give some pastoral counseling. <laughs> yeah, some some laying out of hands and prayer. No, my my brother, my brother, uh, he's a he's a good sport. You know, he understands. Uh, he's just a. He, I was talking to him. So when the Packers were playing the 49ers, you know, we were texting back and forth. He was like, oh, I don't know. I don't know. Oh. And at the end, you know, we still remained brothers, right? Uh, <laughs> uh, since they won, they, they beat the Packers. But I was talking to him on the way, on the days leading up to the Super Bowl. And he's like, man, I don't want to think about it. I'm so stressed. I don't, I don't know what's going on. Uh, but it's funny. So it's not just him. Uh, we have uh, four or five other friends who... As long as I can remember from our early church uh, years to now as full grown adults, uh, we get together or or they get together, right? Because I'm here now, uh, get together uh, whenever the, the Super Bowl comes around. And it's almost become a, a now this tradition mm. that uh, that we all we all hold to. So they, the majority in this MC, it's my brother and one, two, three, four others that are 49er fans. So I was asking him questions uh, and he will respond like 30 minutes later, obviously, right? Cause everybody's into the game. Um, but it, it was a good time, you know, uh, being able to, to uh, share that with, uh, with him, you know, and I, I was honestly rooting for the 49ers better than the chiefs. Right. Uh, but it, <laughs> it, it, it is, it is what it is. Right. Uh, I wanted them to win for my brother's sake. Cause he's been patiently waiting for his 49ers to be on top again. Yeah, well, they they're they're a pretty decent team. Uh, yeah, the the um, I I didn't you know I haven't had a chance to really follow games as much as I used to just because of life, and work, and and traveling. But I did watch the Super Bowl, and so today the podcast is really about that. We want to you know I, I want to have a conversation with you about sports, and the lessons from sports that translate to life, and and I believe that a lot of these lessons. You know, we could we could transition into spiritual things, but it's it's also the other way. There are some biblical lessons that can translate that can help in the in I'll call it the game of life, but also they also translate into sports as well. So it kind of goes back and forth. I want to talk to you about that as we go forward here. But real quickly, um, I I probably I'm going to regret asking this question. What are your teams that you are that you are you know you're a fan of? Okay. Um, no, I, I don't think you're going to regret this question. I think I'm probably going to end up, you know, uh, uh, impressing on you to maybe consider the teams that I, <laughs> that I go for. Uh, but let's see for, for I'm a baseball fan, like I said before. Uh, so I'm a Dodger fan, always been a Dodger fan since, uh, Tommy Lasorda days, you know, uh, uh, the bulldog, uh, uh, Hershiser and, and, uh, our hero, uh, you know, uh, Kurt Gibson, um, the Laker fan, as far as I can remember, the Showtime era Lakers, Kareem, Scott, Cooper, Rambis, uh, yeah, Ram- you know, Magic, <laughs> you know, uh, uh, Kareem, uh, and then into the 90s with, you know, Nick, Nick Van Exel, Eddie Jones, the young, uh, up and coming high schooler, Kobe Bryant, you know, right? When we, we also got a few others that are, are memorable too. Um, and then, uh, so that's baseball and, um, and basketball, football. Uh, I've been a Packer fan. Uh, I wouldn't say all my life because I said, right, I jumped from team to team. I was never a 49er fan. I was never a Raider fan, never a Chargers fan. And those are all the teams in in California, right? Um, uh, except now that, that the Raiders are in Las Vegas. But 
uh, I turned to Packer fan when I uh, saw, for example, uh, Brett Favre, uh, Donald Driver, uh, and and the linebacker, uh, the great uh, uh, Reggie White, a uh, Reverend Reggie White, yeah, that became yeah. uh, later on. Yeah, but so, soccer is the one team, the one team sport uh, that I don't follow. Yeah, and this I, is maybe to the. I'm, I'm not sure if that's the, a sport, uh, but you know. <laughs> Yeah. But you know, for some of our, our Hispanic listeners, they, yeah. they, they're like, well, he's Hispanic. He should be following, you know, the, 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 the soccer team. I, I don't even play soccer. I play yeah, yeah. all other sports. You're an American soccer, Hispanic. You're an yeah. American Hispanic. <laughs> yeah. Listen, yeah. So, uh, and, and by the way, there are people that watch this in, in Brazil and other parts of the world where, <clears throat> where their football actually is a foot hitting the ball. You know, it's the soccer He's but I'm not. Ball, yeah. I'm not sure if we're gonna. For the purpose of this podcast, I don't. We're we're not. You know, soccer's kind of no. That's not American sport. Whatever. <laughs> all right. So so. All right. Question for you. Um, yeah. What is your most memorable sports history moment? Mm. Okay. Uh, you know, I I have a, several that come to my mind, but I'll, I'll share with. The first one that I had, and that's because I shared it with my family. We're all around. We're in the living room, TV. What we were living is actually less than a mile away from Dodger Stadium. And that was when uh, Kirk Gibson, uh, I believe he was bases loaded. Uh, you know, that 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 dream iconic uh, mindset for any any home run hitter, right? Bottom of the, the last inning, last out, right? Uh, two strikes, he hits a home run to... Uh, Kirk Gibson hits the home run off of the Oakland A's, if I'm not mistaken, to allow the Dodgers to take the Dodgers to win the World Series. Um, I think it was 88, uh, 88 World Series, 89 World Series around there. Uh, might be wrong. Uh, so for those of you who are Dodger fans, forgive me. Uh, I should uh, should have that recorded. But I, I have that as my first one of the, if not the greatest uh, moment, because it was shared with my family and friends. I have others when it comes to like football. I have others, especially basketball. You know, with uh, the Lakers uh, winning with with uh, with um, with Shaquille O'Neal, Kobe Bryant also on his own with Derek Fisher and Paul Gasol, uh, Magic Johnson, right with the Lakers, the baby but, sky hook. Uh, yeah, the baby sky hook with yeah. Uh, yeah, 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 and that man, that 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 movie, incredible. Him and Kareem, but especially him in, in my mind, Magic Johnson. Um, but the Dodgers, Kirk Gibson home run, uh, and the World Series uh, against the Oakland A's. Yeah, my, my mine. I would say I, uh, the the home run that Dave Kingman. Well, I grew up, spent some time in Chicago, and actually mentioned we did not live that far away from Wrigley Field, but mm. we did. We were poor. We didn't. You know, we never went to any baseball games. <laughs> We'd watch them on TV. But I remember watching Dave Kingman. He's up to he's up at bat and he hit a home run. But what happened was after he hit the home run, and he was their their star player, but he hit mm -hmm. a home run. But then they realized that in slow motion, his hand, one of his hands, slipped off the bat as he's swinging, and he hit a home run with one hand. And wow. I remember having a baseball card of him, and and at the time you're a little kid, oh, this is gonna be worth a million dollars, you know. And the, uh, <laughs> they never won anything, but but you know, this is just when you're a kid. But then for me, probably the the thing that tops it. Is is the New York Giants spanking the New England Patriots during the undefeated run of New England? I don't mm. remember when it was now, many many years ago. And and the 
And I remember seeing, you know, when they did their undefeated season, the last game of their season was against the New, the New York Giants. And the Giants mm. played. They came, they came to play, but they lost. And I remember mm. as the game is ending and, you know, getting ready to turn the TV off, whatever, I'm watching one of their defensive players, Michael Strahan, you know, a superstar. He's walking with helmet in hand, and he's looking over his shoulder at the Patriots as they're leaving and the look on his face. And I told my wife, I said, Bonnie, I'm telling you, I'm telling you, they're, they're going into the playoffs. I bet you anything that the Patriots are going to play the Giants in the Super Bowl and the, and the Giants are going to win. And mm. sure enough, they I mean, they had, they I'm sure you probably watched it, hammer and tong, they went at it, some crazy plays. The Patriots, I mean, one of the plays where they almost sacked Eli Manning, and he yeah. somehow miraculously comes out of the pile of people and throws it, and then the receiver catches the ball on top of his helmet. Like he pins it against his helmet and catches it. I believe that it was for the first down because they were, I think it was fourth down, if I remember correctly, it's the only, the only game or the only thing that I've ever purchased where you buy at the end of the season, the championship team will sell their documentary CD. It's the only mm -hmm. one time I've ever bought it because it was just such an amazing thing. And so that to me is probably the most memorable uh, sports moment in history when the Giants defeated I mean, yeah, and that that was a pretty good team. I mean, they had Randy Moss. They had, of course, yeah. you know, the great Tom Brady. Although now it seems like people are forgetting who he is now and making Patrick <laughs> Mahomes out to be, you know, the goat. The, yeah, the, the greatest. Goat, yeah. yeah, but but yeah. So that to me, that was that was pretty pretty crazy. Uh, my sister's a Patriots fan, and so you know she gets a little bit. I, I like I like I like razzing every once in a while. Not too much mm -hmm. though, because she can get pretty tough. <laughs> but, but I like having fun with her. Um, By the way, I just looked up. I looked up the receiver that Eli Manning threw. And that's David Tyreer. Oh Tyree. yeah, Tyree. Tyree. David Tyree. Yep. Yep. Tyree. Yep. Yeah. And then they even <laughs> sold uh, helmets with a football attached football. to it as a as some type of a memento afterwards. Yeah. yeah. Crazy stuff. <laughs> um, all right. Well, look. The, the, as I said, the purpose of the podcast is we're going to be talking about sports and and the lessons. But before I do that, this is something that I, uh, I I'm going to be getting into the habit of doing with all the people that I put in the uh, bring onto the podcast, and it has to do with you know why you're here, why 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 are you a Christian? And so I just have a basic question for you, if you could just share your thoughts on on you know share the answer, Pastor. Why do you believe? Why do I believe? Uh... Um, <clears throat> well, my answer, it's, it, it's pretty simple. It's not really a, a, a heavy theological answer, right? Um, I believe because I've seen God work in really real ways in my life that he's still working in my life where he's present. He's opened doors that have been impossible to me. He's, he's, uh, you know, guide my life in directions where I wasn't even planning on going, um, I've also seen him work in the life of my friends, life of my family, uh, specifically my mom. Um, I've seen how God also in my time at church, you know, as a young, as a young adult, a uh, young leader in the church has also, you know, placed me with specific people who have helped me in my now pastoral walk, right, uh, to become the leader that I am today, thanks to all of them. Um, and I've also seen how 
some friends and family during those difficult moments of life, either they lost a job, lost a loved one, you know, or just a hard season in their life, they've been faithful in believing in God and knowing that it was all going to be okay because God is in control, even if they don't see it. All those factors have have uh, uh, grown my faith to where it is now. So where I can say, you know, I believe God, not only how he's worked in my life, what he reveals, what he has revealed uh, through his word, but also how he has worked in the life of others um, that have been a a big testimony, big evidence that he is uh, that he is real and that he loves us. He loves me. He loves this world, loves its, its people. Um, and, um, and we can trust him and get to know him in a real and personal way. That's uh, that's uh, that's, I appreciate that. That's very good. You know, I think been part of the reason for the question is that there are people that, that may be, uh, listening or watching the podcast and they need to know why should they believe some, some of them don't know. Some of them don't have a reason to, uh, and I think you brought up a couple points, obviously one is the example of other people. The example of other people where they exhibit faith in God through their experiences in their life. The other is, as you said, you've seen God move. God do mm-hmm. things. You know, one of the struggles that I have or concerns that I have for people is that there are some people who claim Christianity. They claim to believe, but basically what they believe is just a set of rules. And so here I have Buddhism, I have Islam, I have Christianity, I have Judaism, and you can take your pick. Take your pick and be whatever, do whatever you want, because they're all good rules. I mean, for the most part, all of these religions tend to have some good things in them. I, mm-hmm. I heard I heard a uh, a pastor say this one time, and and it's interesting. <clears throat> it stuck with me just because of the way he said it. He said this. He said, if you take, say for example, the world religions, but you take Christi- take take uh, Islam, Buddhism, Taoism, uh, the different world religions. The best that they can do, the best that they can do is help a bad person become a good person. Mm. Said, but Christianity is different because Jesus can take a dead person mm. and make them an alive person. Wow. And that, in his mind, was the breaking, the dividing line between Christianity and every other religion. These other religions will make you want to be a good person, but only Jesus can bring a dead person back to life. And I, I thought that was just an amazing way to explain it. I, I don't know if I'd done as good a job as he did, but it just moved me because I want to see people choosing to, to live the Christian faith because they believe that God is real, mm-hmm, that they've mm-hmm. seen God move. I know of people that have told me that they've never heard God's voice. They've never seen God do anything in response to prayer. They've never seen a miracle. And I'm scratching my head thinking, man, I, 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 I could— I could write a book with the things that I've seen. And it's not because mm. I'm special. It's not that. It's just because I've, I've, I've been a witness to some of these things. And so I, I feel bad for people that maybe they have and they don't realize it, but people that actually say, I haven't. And so you wonder, then, then why, why do you believe? Because I, being a Christian where you just follow the rules is a miserable existence. And you, you, have mm-hmm. you ever met people like that? Yeah. <laughs> And they, you can see that they, that they're not they're not happy and and it's almost like they're shackled uh, by what they can and cannot do 
Um, and, and no one wants to live a life that way. Right, right. And and Christianity, Jesus never meant for people to live that way, right? Exactly. He wants to take right. somebody that's dead and bring them bring them to life. So, you know, mm-hmm. just thank you for thank you for answering the question. Uh, so let's let's get into it. Of course, you know, a few weeks ago, a few weeks ago, we had a, a the the big game, the Super Bowl, and uh, you got you watched the game right with your friends. Uh, I got yeah. a chance to watch it as well. Can you give me, give me before we get into it, give me, uh, you know, your little sports commentary and how you think the game went. <laughs> well, at first, the first half was slow, uh, slow, uh, and there were a lot, just a lot of mistakes between the players. Man, they were fumbling the ball, interceptions, and and just some questionable calls um, that yes did bring an excitement if you were a Chiefs fan. Or a 49er fan. But, mm-hmm. you know, since neither one of us is any of those, it was more like, come on, let, let, let's let's get to the scoring part. Let's get to the heavy tackle. Let's get to that. Um, but then again, right, uh, the first half, I honestly thought the 49ers were, were winning, winning this Super Bowl. I thought that they were going to, they had it in the bag. But, you know, uh, there are a few things that stood out was, number one, uh, they're just a calmness of, of uh, of Purdy, um, of Brock Purdy, and uh, uh, the the second thing that stood out is also Mahomes. Mahomes kept on looking at the clock, but he he had I don't know if you saw this. There were moments where the camera pan pan over to him while he was sitting on the sideline in the first half, and he was just focused, focused. So he wasn't really too much worried about the clock because any good any good player any all-star caliber player when you hear them going into halftime into the locker room and any good coach says the exact same thing we still have another half to play Mm -hmm. we still have another game to play so they're not too much worried about the first half even i i was i was worried i was like man like okay well if if the chiefs are going to do something the time is it's do it now you know why wait till later right but then the second half, everything changed in favor to, to the Chiefs, right? Where, again, you saw the calmness of Brock Purdy, uh, even when they were under, under, you know, uh, behind, um, which also is good because that means if, if, if your quarterback's calm, if your quarterback is, is focused, I can trust, I, I trust my quarterback, I, I will be focused. Uh, but you saw the same thing also in Mahomes. Uh, he... He there was a confidence then building where where he was almost analyzing the situation in the first half, but then you saw the confidence start to build as his team chipped away and they tied or went ahead and then they and then uh, uh, what is it the 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 49ers tied and they went into into overtime, um, so it was an exciting it was better in the second half than in the first half, even though the first half had more drama because of the. You know the missed tackles, the yeah, the, the, the interceptions, the yeah. the, fumbles, the fumble. You know, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so it, it was it was a fun game to watch. <laughs> I was I was a little bit disappointed in in a portion of the game because you know it's the, it's the Super Bowl. I wanted to see a shootout. I wanted to see some touchdowns. You know, and uh, I don't I don't know though. Um, did they predict that it was going to be a more defensive game? Because I I seem to re- I thought I heard someone say that they thought. That it was going to be more of a scoring game, but maybe I don't know if that's true or not. Well, you know how before the, the pregame and, and especially especially now that there's this culture of betting on the game, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and and 
and I don't know how all that works, but there was more of a prediction that it was going to be a high-scoring game. Okay, yeah. Because of the trajectory each team had against scoring, again, especially in the the regular season, right? Uh, but it, then again, right? Uh, anything can happen in the playoffs. Anything can happen in that type of uh, that type of uh, situation, especially in the Super Bowl. Uh, but everybody, at least all the people that I spoke to, friends that that wanted a good game, wanted a high-scoring game. Not really. It, it becomes slower and more tedious, more psychological if it becomes defensive, mm -hmm. because everyone like see the back and forth, touchdown and then touchdown and then touchdown. Yeah. So uh, I like a few others uh, were believing that it was going to be a high-scoring game. Yeah, it came down to who was going to make the last mistake. <laughs> Yep. Rather than who yep. was going to do the scoring per se. Yeah. All right. Well, look. Let, let me let let's get to it. The 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 meat of this episode is really about some of these analogies, these lessons, these things that cross over from sports to life, and 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 I believe that they're biblical principles that mm -hmm. are ultimately embodied by that. But talk to me a little bit. <clears throat> what do you see? And it doesn't it doesn't have to be about the Super Bowl, but could be sports in general. What are some of the analogies that you think that are applicable lessons that you could take out of sports in life? Well, the biggest one, um, and I actually looked up the the like some of the quotes that uh, that really caught my attention was the interviews after the game uh, from both Brock Purdy and uh, Patrick Mahomes. They both glorified God, but I, I actually have it here. I want I want I want to want you to, to see this as uh or to to just hear it this was the interview that they had um i think it was well it, the, the the quote says this they were going to challenge us and the guys stepped up and made plays i mean god puts a lot of adversity in our way this year and we accepted the challenge and we're better for it um i mean it's been a heck of a year we're not done yet but this is the way to get there Right. This was uh, oh, this was Patrick Mahomes when he when he won um, the playoff game against uh, the um, the Ravens uh, this year, right? So you hear that and you're just like, oh shoot, like, all right, um, that's that's great, right? He's there's there's uh, this idea in our world today that it you don't that no one wants to suffer, no one wants to go through times of testing. But adversity, testing, challenges, they grow us in our experience, not just in the world, but in our Christian walk as well. Um, they, they, they help us, they help our faith grow in God, right, uh, on, on the religious side. But they also help us um, build when we're facing or get stronger when we're facing a, a, a bigger test in, in our human experience, right? Here's another one, another quote that I saw here. It said, it's, it's such a special night for us. Uh, I want to give God the glory, and I want to congratulate the Ravens of, on an amazing year. Four years ago, when you, uh, when you were handed, when you handed us the first Lamar, uh, Lamar Hunt trophy, I gave it to my mom, and the first thing she said it was, kiss it. Um, uh, and this is uh, Patrick Mahomes, again, being interviewed, right? Um, you have a, another... Thing that you have also a humbleness there in, in, in Patrick Mahomes even, right, with how he received the praise, but who he directed the praise to, yeah. right? So, so I guess that there are two things that we can take 
takeaway from that. Number one is, you know, trial, adversity are, are good, right? They're not always bad. And number two, the attitude of, of humbleness or the yeah. attitude of praise, even uh, who you give honor and glory to. Right. In these two cases, Patrick Mahomes gives honor and glory to God first. Uh, and he also uh, he has a, a shows a certain respect, not to his not just to his coach or his teammates, but to his mom. Right. Who has been there with him along the way. So that's uh, those are at least uh, the first two that stand stand out in my mind. Well, I think that's important to know. I think that the idea of, you know, when you think about these guys thanking God, and 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 it obviously bothers people when people mention God like this, but the fact that they're doing it is an important lesson. It is important to know who gives you what you have. Mm -hmm. Some people say, oh, it's me. I did it. It's my own strength. You know, I think it's Deuteronomy 8.18. It says, remember the mm -hmm. Lord thy God, for it is he that gives you power to get wealth. You need to know where you get what you get from. So it's, it's an important lesson in life because you go further. But I think this whole thing of adversity, man, this is something that we could do an episode on just that. Think of, think of all the great NFL players, the, the ones that, the ones that, are in the Hall of Fame, the ones that are the really, you know, the 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 guys who are putting up the numbers. You know, mm. if you look back at the lives of those individuals, those are some of the ones that had the most difficult lives, lives growing up, the mm -hmm. most difficult experiences, yet they were able to take that and, and then enter into this experience of becoming superstars. If you look at your life, this is one of the things for me that I think about quite a bit, and I struggle sometimes to explain it because I think I think it has the impact of maybe offending people because nobody wants to go through difficulty. Nobody wants yeah, to go yeah. through a hard time. I mean, and when you go through a hard time and somebody says, oh, no, bad, th bad times are good, you just want to punch that person. You just want to hit that person. But <clears throat> if you look at your own life, look at, and you were to say, what are the things that have happened in my life to make me the person I am today? The truth is, if you're honest, that the adversity that you experienced helped mold your character more than the victory. Yeah, absolutely, yeah. And so I think this whole notion of adversity, there are times people get angry at God. Mm -hmm. You get angry because God allowed you to have this to happen, or you know, or you ask the question, the big, the why, and you don't want to talk to God. You're angry at Him. Some people for for years and decades refuse to talk to God because of the adversity, and I'm not <laughs> saying God brings it on. I think it's fair to say God who's sovereign allows these things, but we don't understand sometimes. But there is an, an understanding, right, that I think you should have, that adversity is a part of what you need to be molded properly. I don't know if I'm hmm. saying that right. Uh, I don't want to, you know, I don't want to say trivialize a person's pain, but mm -hmm. adversity makes you strong. I, yeah, I think, of, yeah. you know, I don't know your experience growing up. I know myself growing up went through a lot of adversity. I mm -hmm. hated being poor. My friends always had good new clothes all the time. When we were yeah. very young, we had the hand-me-downs. We bought the, what do they call those things? The seconds, you know, the sneakers that had a little bit of a defect, but they're they're pretty good. So they get sent to this other store and you, yeah, so you, yeah. Could, you could buy the 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 tracks sneakers back then, I guess, the Nike or the Puma, but the label was a little bit off. The 
you know, they it were was just, almost like uh, the knockoff because they were just a little bit different. Yeah, they were, and so yeah. because they weren't the imperfect stuff, I, I hated doing stuff. that. I hated it, and and I, you know, when I was a kid, we <laughs> we were we were growing up, we didn't have a lot. My mom would buy lunch food, you know, for us to be in school. I'd run out of lunch meat, and I'd go to school. By by Wednesday, I'd be going to school with mayo sandwiches, just two pieces of bread, mayonnaise in between. One of my mm. schoolmates found out, and for the rest of the year, they called me Mayo Boy. Because oh, no. That was it, mayo sandwiches, because we didn't have anything to put in between the slices of bread. And I hated that name. But, mm. you know, it's the type of thing that you learn. It makes you stronger. It yeah. makes you appreciate things more. And so, you know, I, I think this this is one of the lessons that definitely translates from the field to life. But, you know, the, the spiritual experience also as well is that sometimes you don't know what God is doing. Mm -hmm. but, but these are the things that God is sometimes taking you through to prepare you for what's next. I think you had mentioned in another conversation uh, some Bible characters, but think about Joseph. Joseph yeah. was, he hmm. was hated by his brothers, sold as a slave, accused of rape, thrown in jail, and then he's the prime minister of Egypt. <laughs> and he saves his family, right? Yeah. But if he wouldn't have had those bad things happen, he would never have made it to the court of Pharaoh. Mm -hmm. And so sometimes adversity is, I mean, it's never a good thing, but maybe one of the hardest things to learn is that the very thing you might be angry at God about is the very thing that he is bringing, allowing, so that it's going to serve a greater purpose down the road. Yeah, you know, that 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 also brings to mind uh, not just uh, uh, like you being angry at God, right? Like in the story of Joseph where um, I could definitely relate to him questioning, right? Another person that comes to my mind is... Uh, um, uh, Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, or Ananiah, Misael, and Azariah, right? Mm -hmm. uh, and but but specifically Daniel, because you know uh, he he went through hard times, not just just as a young man, but especially as an adult. Uh, sorry, here my my chair is acting strange. Um, as an adult, and 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 the time frame in which he he lived was a tumultuous one right went from one empire to another empire to another empire mm -hmm. served what was a was technically a a, a a a slave in the empire right uh positioned but positioned uh to basically uh rule over his people but him being ruled at the same time um but you see in the life of daniel uh, moments where he's questioning God's God's plan, which I think also has to do a lot with with what we go through in our lives, right? Where we question, Lord, is this really of you? Is this really what you want me to go through? You know, why are you allowing this, God? Right? But then again, right? We also see his faith grow as God reveals his plan, right? Early in the Babylonian Empire, then with the Mede and the Persians, right? And then towards the the final uh, 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 years of his life, right, with the uh, with uh, um, what the Medes and Persians, uh, the next empire that he served. Uh, what was it? Was it the? It wasn't the Greeks, was it? Who are you talking about remember. now? Daniel. Daniel. Yeah, yeah. The, 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 the it was Greek. the Medes and the Persians. Darius. Mm -hmm. 
Darius, yes. Um, so yeah, so maybe maybe the better a better for for the the kings, right? That he served because mm -hmm, it was first mm -hmm. uh, it was first Nebuchadnezzar, then Belshazzar, and then right. now then, uh, yeah, Darius. The Medes and the yep. Yeah. Um, so so it was. There were moments where you know facing facing the 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 fiery furnace, facing uh, the the kingdom now come into into uh, uh, captivity under the Medes and the Persians. Uh, and then facing the lion's den, right? Um, if you look at anyone in his life, in his entirety of life, next to Joseph, that had moments of hardship, mm -hmm. it was definitely Daniel. Yeah, you know, definitely the, Daniel. There's a there's um there's a prophecy in Second Kings that was given to one of the kings of Israel because he had kind of um, he he had been unfaithful. Mm -hmm. I'm gonna read this to you. Mm -hmm. And this is the prophet speaking to the king. Of thy sons that shall issue from thee, talking to the king, which thou shalt beget, shall they take away, and they shall be eunuchs in the palace of the king of Babylon. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That prophecy is believed to have been fulfilled when Babylon took them over and brought people, mm -hmm. Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, to Babylon. It's mm -hmm. believed that they were made, they were, if they're serving as wise men in the palace of the king, that they were made eunuchs. Now, you want to talk about adversity. <laughs> yeah, yeah. They, the, your people are conquered. They decide to take the best and the brightest of the people of Israel, bring them to Babylon. We're going to make you wise men to our king. Oh, that's great. You're going to go to school for a couple of years. You're going to learn our ways. Oh, that's great. By the way, you're going to be in the king's palace. Mm -mm. You have to be, you have to be, uh, I'll say, I'll say decaffeinated. Um, <laughs> and yet they still chose to keep their faith in God. Yeah. So I, yeah. I mean I, I'm 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 drawing this whole the adversity, mm -hmm. and continuing to trust that God has a plan. Yeah. In 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 a game, you go through a lot of adversity, and you might be tempted to be angry, but you still got to listen to the plan. You still got to follow the plan, right? Mm -hmm. So okay, what 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 else? What what else jumps out at you? Anything else? Um, the other thing that that jumps out to me besides facing adversity is also. Having trust in your coach and in your teammates, um, right? Uh, there are some things, especially as humans, man, and I don't know if you can relate to that as well, Pastor, but I, could de I definitely have connected with this with other people, is that we love to take control. When things are going bad, we want to, you know, have the game in our hands, the ball in our hands. Uh, we want to make all the decisions, right? But there are moments where we can't or... The situation doesn't give us the opportunity uh, to take that control. So we then have to place our trust in someone else. Um, this, uh, for example, this came to my mind as I was watching uh, The Last Dance, uh, right? Um, the Chicago Bulls, Michael Jordan era. There was a play that was designed for Michael Jordan. And he runs, I, I think it was against uh, the Utah Jazz in one of those games mm. uh, where he runs uh, on the left side of the court and he is triple teamed. And on the right hand, right side of the court, you had Steve Kerr yes. and, and Jordan, Jordan has to make a split decision. Either he's going to force the shot like many others do, 
or he's going to pass the ball to his teammate, right? So I think Jordan in, in the interview says that he passes the ball to Kurt, uh, um, but he uh, Kirk wasn't thinking that he was going to shoot the shot. He was actually going to pass it back to Jordan, but the time was running against them. So he made that split second decision, shot the ball, and he scored, right? And even Jordan's reaction, he was like, oh. and he's like, yes, you know, you see him celebrate, right? And then after they they decide, you know, Steve, Steve Kerr, uh, he's also like very surprised. That, but but Jordan uh, was like, look, man, it lands in, in, in his hands. And at that point, I had to place my trust in Steve, he says, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. you know, and and I think that is also a, a life lesson, not only that we as humans have to learn, but we as Christians have to learn as well. In whom we place our trust in, it can't always be in ourselves. It shouldn't always be in ourselves. The Christian walk um, is a team sport because we're listening to our heavenly coach and we're working in a team to spread the gospel around the world. Mm. Right. And not every team gets together. I mean, not every team gets along. Not every team sees eye to eye. But there come there becomes a there there comes a moment in every team's life where you have to make a plan together, execute that plan together, and trust in and trust that each uh each team role is going to be fulfilled by the person that has been assigned to that team role. Right. Um yeah. That that's that's the other that's the other uh, 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 life lesson that I, I I get from both sports and, and scripture as well, right? It's team sport, man. Uh, uh, it's something that also takes time for us to learn how to play in a team. Yeah, you know, I'm I'm listening I'm listening to you speak, Pastor, and and I'm having these Bible verses pop in my head. You know, <laughs> this this whole notion of of being a team, this whole notion of trusting each other. You know, in the Bible. The, you find the word trust, but another word for trust in the Bible is faith, right? Mm -hmm. It's you have to have faith. There, the mm -hmm. you have to have you have to understand that you are not alone. How many people? How many people are trying to face life's struggles alone? Face life's adversities alone? And you know the truth is, remember some some people can can muddle through, but. I hope that you can at least be aware that that's not what God wants for you. He doesn't want you to face your trials alone. He says, you know, take 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 my burden of, uh, upon you. My my yoke is easy. My burden is light. You know, he wants you to team up with him. He wants you to swap places. Let him carry your burdens. But so many people sometimes want to do it alone. You can't be successful in life if you do that. Some of the most miserable people are miserable because they choose they choose to be alone. And and this whole trust thing, and I, I, as I said, I was listening to you talk, and the 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 scripture that came to my mind from Proverbs: Trust in the Lord with all your heart; lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge Him, and He shall direct your path. You know, yeah. I I I think that the the idea of trust, you know, um, there's a, there's a there's a visual I often like to use when I do a presentation. Say we're talking about football or something, and that is the different view from different people who are on the team. So when you're on the football field, the view, the view of the quarterback is confined to what's coming out of his helmet. So beyond the, the guards on his chin, and then you just see a certain part of the field. But the coach who's on the sideline sees a much broader vision of what the other side is doing. 
And the coach mm-hmm. has got people up in the stands. They see from the top. They know they can tell when players are being substituted. They can recognize formations. And they call the plays out. They give the plays in that are going to ensure or give them the best chance of success. You know, if you think about that in your own life, think about the fact that there's somebody that sees a bigger picture than you do. And and you need to trust this person. You need to trust this one. And maybe it comes down to that. Maybe, it, maybe you know, you just don't trust. You think that God doesn't have your best interest at heart. I don't know. I think people's maybe circumstances and reasons for what they do with their, uh, in terms of the, the Jesus question, it, there are varied reasons for that. But uh, certainly teamwork, trust are huge things, lessons that relate on the court, mm-hmm. life, and, of course, the the walk of a disciple in Jesus, right? Um, yeah. Is, is there any, any, other, any other things that jump out at you? Because I have a couple things as well, but uh, anything else that jumps out at you from that we can kind of cross over? Yeah, I, I think the other one is... Uh, um... I guess it would be disciple disciple making, making others, uh, making making other people around you better, right? Um, so the the one that that comes to mind just because it was fresh is when they revealed the um, the Kobe Bryant statue, right? Uh, now a lot of people were analyzing the the especially around the time when Kobe's jerseys number eight and number twenty four were retired. Um, uh, because I didn't know they, they did both of them. That that they did both of them. They did both of them. Okay, yeah. I didn't. I didn't they know. They retired that. both of his numbers, um, and uh, uh, and they're right next to, like, for example, Paul Gasol's number is right next to, I think, number twenty four, uh, and 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 he was there when that when when that happened. Um, so what what I find interesting is that the Kobe Bryant in wearing number eight was a completely different Kobe Bryant uh, wearing number twenty four. Number eight was more selfish uh uh i'm gonna take control i'm not gonna pass the ball i remember countless times where with my brothers and and my dad mind you is not a laker fan my dad was a laker fan during the showtime era only um (laughs) he uh he then later on became a clipper fan so i i I told him i think that's 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 blasphemous especially Kings? No, uh, we're we're not we're not hockey fans. None of us are. So that's the, probably the other team that that we don't we don't really we don't even watch hockey. Um, uh, but uh, uh, we would yell at the screen at Kobe Bryant pass the ball, right? Uh, but then when he changed to number twenty four, we saw his attitude both on the court and off the court change. Uh, off the court, when he was wearing number eight, he was very isolated, not really talking to people. Almost very similar to how people described um, Michael Jordan, uh, where he he was, you know, he's the top, he's the top dog, top star. So I'm not going to, uh, you know, mingle with everybody else, right? And even the players sensed that. Well, with Kobe, not only did he change his attitude to pass the ball more to be more of a team player, to depend more on his teammates, um, but also grow in relationship with them and friendships with them. And the two people that come to my mind that where you saw that, especially heavy now after he retired and before he died, was was his two teammates, uh, you know, Derek Fisher and Paul Gasol, especially with Paul Gasol. Um, 
they they not only had a mutual respect and knew how to play one with one another when they were on the team, but the relationship was so close and so strong that uh, Kobe Bryant's kids called him Uncle Paul. And I think even uh, his his wife, Vanessa Bryant, in, in a post recently after after uh, the unveiling of the statue, there's a video of Kobe Bryant, I mean, I'm sorry, with Apogosol with I think now his the 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 oldest daughter, I forgot what her name was, is um and 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 the caption on the post says, Thank you, Uncle Paul. Wow. Wow. You don't just call anyone uncle, yeah. right? Yeah. Especially if they're not family. Yeah. So this tells me that the relationship that Kobe had with Paul Gasol went beyond the basketball court, right? And this is a a, a thing that especially you and I, right, as, as ministers, as pastors, there are some relationships that will go beyond just the pastor-parishioner role, uh, uh, dynamic, you know, where you become friends, where you become family, right? That even if they move you mm-hmm. or you change teams, like in the case of Paul Gasol, when he went to play with his brother, right? Or when they were playing on the on the Spain's national team and and Kobe was playing in the in the and he went the, right through the, his U, chest. And, team, and went right through his chest. But the, yep. even even the interview, even the interview with Paul Gasol, he knew. And he knew that the Kobe on the court, it was it had to be done. And he yep. respected Kobe. And there was again, right? Respect and trust. Uh but uh, 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 you saw that Kobe not only learned to trust his teammates, but he made them better. Like that's one thing that people see in, in the career, for example, of Paul Gasol. Paul Gasol's career got better after he came into the Lakers. Not just because it was the Lakers and Laker franchise, but because of who played with him. Right, right. Kobe. Kobe pushed him, and a good player, a good leader, pushes his teammates around him to get better. That's an right? interesting to grow. Yeah, yeah, you know, that's an interesting point that you don't necessarily immediately see when you talk about some of these lessons, how they translate yeah. from the court to life and even even scriptural. The idea that imagine a part of your life is to help make other people's lives better. A part of your calling is to improve other people's situation, make them better people. And yep. and you know, the, that's one of the that's as a disciple of Jesus, Jesus told us, go and make disciples of all nations, mm-hmm. teaching mm-hmm. them all the things that I've taught you. And, and it is true. It's a, it's, a, it's a lesson that translates from the field to life. And, of course, what, what I believe is that a lot of these, if anything is good, if anything is true, it's grounded in principles that began with God. Mm-hmm. So this is, mm-hmm. this is definitely, definitely one of those things. Yeah, I, uh, yeah. I, I, Pastor, I, I appreciate, I appreciate, you know, your, your coming and sharing some of these things. You know, to me, there's, there's so many other analogies that so many other lessons. I, I know, you know, one, one lesson that comes to mind. I remember seeing a player who was injured before he ever entered the NFL. And he his like his first play as a pro player. He went out of bounds and ran into the one of the heavy pieces of camera equipment, banged up mm. his knee once again. But the players got up and they and I, you could hear them yelling, "Shake it off, shake it off! Don't worry about it. Get back on the field." But as I, as I was watching him play, which he went out there and continued playing, was the concept that they were teaching him: you don't dwell on the last play, mm. focus in the moment. 
don't think about the mistake or the fumble or the whatever or that whatever. Don't look back. And mm-hmm. and sometimes I, I've known of people whose lives in the present, they can't move forward because they're always focusing on what happened in the past. Something mm-hmm. bad happened to them or they made a bad mistake and they can never move forward. Why? Because they've created a prison of their own making. They hold yeah. the key to their prison. And that is take your eyes off the last play and put your eyes forward. Focus on the now. And so there's mm-hmm. just, just a ton of ton of different ton of different different lessons. And so I just I want to thank you for, for coming on the podcast. Now, Pastor, I need to ask you before we kind of bring this to a close. I know that you do some ministry online as well. Can you talk to me a little bit about that? Oh sure. Uh, so uh, the other ministry besides my own, like well, my own Instagram, but that's been, kind of been on a pause just because of just timing. Um, but the the one that I, I currently work on is a ministry that was started off that started uh, and is basically based in in the West Coast by uh, three friends of mine. Uh, that's called Keep Calm and Advent On. Um, I actually have the logo here in the back, but you can't really see it because it's blurred out. Um, but it's a uh, keep common advent on it's talking about real uh current day events and seeing uh a god through them right we we talked about uh is the bible still necessary you know why all these versions of the bible um we, we've talked about um uh what is it the book of james we went through the book, book of james right that that talks about faith and works um we talked about um the the now, right now, we're currently recording, and we already have three episodes already up on spiritual disciplines, and and we talked about the importance of the Bible, of reading, right? If you want to grow your faith, grow your relationship with God, um, you have uh, you have to touch, you have to read the Word, right? And it's a discipline for some. For others, it's easy. For others, it's not. The other mm-hmm. one is is prayer, right? That's another one. We we talked about also. Um, uh, is church attendance or or is church attendance a spiritual discipline or is is uh, uh, sharing your faith a church of discipline? We kind of almost had a debate. That was our latest recording. So <laughs> it's, it's been it's been fun. Uh, and these are uh, another pastor friend of mine named Mitchell Aguinaga uh, and two other friends. Also, one of them I went to school with. Uh, um, his name is Jason uh, Bahar. And the other one is Andrew Sellis. So it's the four of us um, uh, working talking you about. It. And this is on Spotify, on okay. on YouTube, uh, Keep Calm and Advent On, and okay. also on Facebook. And I think we also have it on Apple, an Apple podcast. But oh, for sure, awesome. uh, Facebook, YouTube, and and Spotify. Awesome, mm-hmm. awesome, Pastor. I appreciate your time. You know, as we as we kind of wrap up the the podcast episode here, I want to thank you for being a member of the MyTech family and listening or watching, depending on where you catch this podcast. But uh, there are a lot of lessons in life that if you could realize that they're grounded in scripture, you know, I, I would encourage you then to think, well, you know, if, if the scriptures embody some of these truths and maybe I need to study the scriptures a little bit more, maybe I need to think about who inspired these scriptures because I might be able to learn something from him. I will tell you that we're in a contest for our souls right now. And they're really at the, in the end, there are only two teams. I want to encourage you to choose the team, choose team Jesus. He is undefeated. And even though there are times that the the contest looks like it's going the other way, no, listen, do not doubt the outcome. 
The Bible says one day every knee will bow and every tongue will proclaim, Jesus is Lord. So I want to encourage you to join his team and accept him as your coach. Your life will never, ever be the same again. Once again, thank you for listening to this podcast. That's my take. And that is inspiration to go.